I was getting, I was getting a lot of no letters, and I kept some of the letters because it was like motivation for me. I was young in my coaching career. I did know that those guys I was coaching, this was their one opportunity. If you really want the players to like you, just make them better. If I want to keep playing this game, you know, as a job, I, I have to continue to get better at that. You have to figure out a way to carve out some value that you have that you can bring not only to your team, but also your profession. It's really good information, and I pick up little nuggets all the time. For me, it's all about confidence, man. You, you have to have confidence to be a shooter, to be uh, a basketball player in general, and to have success. You, you, it's all about confidence. If they walk a mile in my shoes, then they can bow like I do. But my game different, not the same with it. I travel now, y'all just change, pivot. Shooters, welcome back to another episode of the Shooters Touch. This week we bring on Cedar Rapids Kennedy head boys basketball coach, John McCowan. I've known John for quite some time, have followed his career from his start at Wapsie to NU High, spent some time down in Kansas City, and then as I mentioned back here in Cedar Rapids. Uh, we talked to John about everything under the sun, his, his days of playing for his dad, now his days of coaching his son. Um, AAU and high school and the challenges and the positives that come with that. Um, you know, John has been coaching for quite a while and he's full of knowledge. Uh, he's a very cerebral coach and, you know, knows the game of basketball, but also understands creating young men and young men that are going to be successful in life after playing basketball is very important too. Uh, we also hit on a little bit about youth basketball and how Cedar Rapids Kennedy has been so successful with those programs. Uh, just overall great episode, great information from John. I think you guys are going to really like this. As usual, if you like what you hear, we'd love for you all to follow us on social. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Shooters Touch, and Twitter at Shooters Touch IA. And tell a friend. We uh, would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear from your connections as well, suggestions, um, what you like, what you don't like. And uh, as usual, shoot or shoot. Fourth quarter down three, need a two and one. Better call on me, better call on me. If you know you need- well, Coach John McCowan, welcome to the Shooter's Touch. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Coach, we're excited to have you on. Excited to learn a little bit more about your journey. We were talking a little off air. Getting in the heat of AAU season, so basketball never sleeps at the McCowan house. I can believe that. And so, what uh, what has early spring already been like in your house? Uh, chasing these boys around. It sounds like baseball. It sounds like basketball. Um, boys going all over the country. Um, I know your oldest. I believe you said it was in Arizona and coming back from South Carolina now this weekend. And so, how are things going so far this spring at, at your place? Yeah, they're going good. Um, we just try to make it through each week and piece it together. Um, uh, my dad's coaching my oldest son and with the AU circuit. So that's nice. You know, he, he has them traveling in South Carolina this week and they're actually on their way home now and, you know, chasing the kids in baseball and, and our younger two kids play a little basketball too at this time. So um, it, it's kind of survival, um, but it's unique opportunities for these kids to, to play against, you know, kids across the nation. And, um, you know, it's a lot of fun. It's fun watching them and, and seeing different kids from different states. And um, our Iowa kids are actually having a ton of success. You know, if you look across all the, the club teams in Iowa, um, they're doing fairly well. And, and I think we've talked a lot about it as coaches. I think a lot of that has to do with us implementing the shot clock in Iowa. You know, our kids have a little bit of a leg up and it's normal for them. They got to play 
you know, 20 plus games with the shot clock this year. And now the circuits are using them and uh, basketball is really good in Iowa and we're progressing in the right direction. And, you know, it's fun to see Iowa kids having a lot of success. Yeah, it is. And it's funny you bring that up because I, I agree with you that on all circuits, it seems like all levels, even locally, you know, to nationally, the, the, the boys are coming together and having a lot of success early and it's fun to see and it's fun to watch. It's also great to have so many opportunities to play. I mean, that's got to be something that obviously as a parent, but also as a coach, um, whether, you know, it's your son or whether it's other players on the team, um, you have to feel very fortunate that there is likely a good fit for each one of your players and an opportunity to play during the offseason. Yeah, it is. Uh, we have a lot of our kids playing in different areas. Um, it, it's unique as a coach and fun in a different way that, um, during the week, we kind of right, you see them during class and see them in the halls and try to catch up over text on how to go this week and where you at next week. And, you know, how did you play? What do you need to work on this week? And also, you know, what were the good players you saw? And, you know, how are you becoming a better player and a better person? And what's your travel schedule? Their travel schedule is crazy. And then also trying to keep them grounded. And, you know, you have to over communicate with your teachers and continue to do the things here to to provide the opportunities for you on the weekend. But um, it is different because we're together six days a week, you know, during the season. And now I barely see them, you know, all in a month's time. Um, but there's still, you know, it's, it's a different opportunity, but it's, it's a very unique and an opportunity to get a lot better, you know, and work on some of their individual skills and playing on a different team uh, really helps you because you have to play different roles. You know, you have one role for Kennedy, you have a different role for your club team. And then, you know, on the outside of that, what are you working on individually? So trying to keep all those things meshed and communicating with the kids, uh, it's different, but, but fun in its own rights about communication with the coaches side of things? Obviously, it's easy for you and your son because your dad's the one that uh, is at the helm right now and coaching those guys, as you mentioned, out on the road. Some of your other players, too. Is it something where they're pretty pretty good in open lines of communication between you and their club coach? Yep. Yeah, very good communication. I, I know most of them and try to just shoot them a text on either Sunday nights or Monday mornings and just ask, you know, how they did. So I have a, uh, a little bit of another view into, you know, how the weekends went with the kids. And um, yeah, you know, everything is just trying to help these kids grow and provide them the opportunities. So the more feedback I can have, you know, for their club teams, I'm kind of more of that uh, second parent role, you know, and, you know, what can I do to help them? You know, you need to work on this this week, or um, you're doing this really well for your team. And um, trying to make the kids continue to understand, like, yes, it's open, it's live NCA periods, but um, the goal is for your teams to win, you know, because there's not a not a lot of opportunities for um, two win and three win teams to get seen, you know, by the NCAA coaches and, um, you know, just trying to help them play the game the right way all the time. Yeah, that's good. And a good perspective too to kind of take into each and every weekend. Um, so let me ask you this coach from a dad perspective. So obviously, you know, you mentioned you have the kid, the boys coming up uh, active, want to be partaking things. Obviously some of that uh, is going to happen and come through osmosis and watching the older ones and going to dad's games. How do you toe that line? I think every parent kind of wonders this question too, but as far as helping coaching, motivating and being a dad um, at the end of the day with, with the boys that you have. I think number one, it has to be their passion and their love. Um, I, I try to tell my kids that 
I'll rebound for you. I'll help you. I'll, I'll work you out, but you have to put in time first. Um, it's not always going to be just me and you in the gym every second that you're in the gym, but if you go put in an hour or an hour and a half or, you know, seven hours this week, then I'll, then I'll come and help also, but it, it has to be you first and it's gotta be something that you want to do. Um, I really enjoy basketball and coaching basketball and being able to teach life lessons through coaching basketball but I want my kids to have their own path too and their own passions. And it's been fun with my oldest, but it's been a lot of fun. About the end of the season, his freshman year, he he got a different outlook on basketball and working out. And he's really become a kind of a, a workout warrior. And I, even on like, a, we took a vacation over spring break and he was researching where there's outdoor courts, where we're staying. We were in Oklahoma City and he's like, Dad, there's two, there's two outdoor courts. We can, one's a mile from our hotel, one's a mile and a half. I'm going to go work out there before we leave in the morning. I'm like, well, well, it's downtown Oklahoma City. I don't think you should probably go on your own. <laughs> so, um, but it's just, it's neat when they find their own passion. And, you know, through athletics, it's, Athletics is fun and there's highs and the lows, but if, if you can learn how to be successful in athletics, you can be learn how to be successful in anything in life. And when you have a passion that's so deep that you're going to do it every single day. And I, I think he's only taken, we beg him at times to take days off, you know, especially like after a long AU weekend, we'll try to make him take tomorrow off, but it, we can't like, it's just, it's like pulling teeth and he's, he's always trying to find a time, but it's, He's learned how to organize his schedule. He's learned how to ma manage his time and he's learned how to work out the right way. So, you know, we talked to him now about like, this is great and wonderful because if you treat any, any job that you have later in life, like you are basketball and your passion right now, like you're going to be successful at whatever you do. Um, and that's great. Obviously a little more personal for our kids when you see him go that direction, but it's, it's something that we try to get, you know, out of all of our kids. And when it becomes theirs and their ownership, um, you know, the, the sky's the limit and things that they're going to do. And it's, you know, success or not success in the court really doesn't matter anymore because you just go about it the right way. And, you know, in the end, athletics can kind of push you that way. And for the last year, it's been a lot of fun to watch Trey, our oldest, um, start acting that way. And he's eliminated a lot of things in his life that, um, you know, it used to be really important to go to the park and hang out with the friends in the summer. And now it's like, I just don't have enough time for that. You know, I have to, I have to lift, I have to do football workouts, I have to do basketball workouts. And then we have our club basketball. So, you know, he's just really driven and passionate about something in life. And as a, as a parent, that's just a lot of fun to see. It is fun. You're, you're right. It's, it's fun to see them kind of connect on to something and really kind of have a passion that, like you said, is, is all their own. Do you have maybe more so with the younger two? Do you have any of them that uh, are doing a sport or something that maybe don't know as much about? And the reason why I ask is my one of my my middle daughters. She's kind of real into soccer, and I know nothing about soccer, but because of that, I found like it's just getting more and more interesting. The more I watch her play, and the more I can connect it to basketball, something I do know. But it's kind of fun to sit over and not really know anything and what's going on and kind of learning with her, um, you know, as opposed to being in that chair where it's like, well, you know, I kind of, kind of don't say anything, you know, I know you should be doing this, yep. but it's like when you don't know, it's kind of, it's kind of fun. Have you had that experience at all with any of the boys? To a point, uh, they love playing everything. Um, the younger ones, they love playing. Um, they're 
seven on seven football. They love playing baseball. Um, they love their basketball stuff. So it's fun with them because they're season by season, you know, right now it's baseball seasons tuning up. So, you know, that they don't use the court in the back very often, which, which is fine because you know, they're very passionate about baseball and day in and day out, it's everything baseball with the neighborhood kids and that type of stuff. But I find myself coaching all of their sports um, <laughs> just from a, uh, uh, I don't know. I guess when you're a coach, you just you want to make sure their the practices are run right, and you're going to be there anyway, and you're passionate about it. So um, they don't play any of the sports that I didn't play growing up. So yet I haven't had that time on the lawn chair yet, where I just kind of sit back and watch them and try to figure out what's going on. Well, I, I'll tell you too from that side. Even when you don't know what's going on, when you have that coach teacher in you, you still find yourself coaching and teaching. It's almost impossible, even if you don't know what a corner kick is, of being like, hey, spread out, spread out spacing. You're like saying all the all the terminology that works in basketball that also appears to work in soccer. But uh, uh, it, it definitely it definitely is a lot of fun. And so I know. So so baseball big right now. Sounds like uh, you guys were out in the wind huh, this weekend. How did how did things go with the little ones playing a little uh, playing a little baseball this weekend? Yeah, things were great. Um, we thought we were going to catch a break and we didn't play till this afternoon because they did both did well on Saturday, but it just kept getting colder and windier as the day went. Sounded like the early games were better, but um, Kate, our 10 year old, actually won his tournament. So it was great. And Drew, the 12 year old, went two and one. They struggled a little bit today, but uh, when the weather's like this, we're just blaming on the weather and we'll get back at it next week. So. Yeah, that's all. That's all you can ask for. With like you said, just surviving um, with when you're chasing activities and going from practice to practice, one thing to the next. Um, you just gotta survive in advance and, and get to the next weekend and enjoy a little bit of time when you have it. Uh, had to have been a lot like growing up. Yeah, we were actually uh, Brooks was five years younger than me, and Brittany, my sister, is ten years younger. So we were pretty spread out. We didn't. Uh, play a lot against each other. I had to drag Brooks around town to the baseball games and stuff and to the pool and all that type of stuff. But um, we weren't overly competitive together, but uh, we were definitely competitive, you know, in our sports. I've seen a little bit of that, I think. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, as, uh, you know, as, as I know, you're obviously your brother Brooks a lot better, but um, you know, his competitive nature and you know, knowing you and knowing Brittany too, I'm sure there were some battles out there. Um, give our, uh, I should give our listeners a little bit of, of a background about you. Obviously, we know a little bit, but where'd you grow up? Um, and you know, uh, actually, uh, maybe a follow-up question to that would be, um, when was when was organized sports kind of, um, you know, introduced? Were you, you know, because I know things are different this year, or, or excuse me, now obviously. Um, you know, my son's been playing hoops, playing baseball, playing sports since he's in kindergarten, and that just wasn't a thing back, you know, when we grew up. So when did that kind of be introduced to you? Yeah, um, we moved to Fairbank, Iowa when I was five years old. Um, and I, you know, there was town team Little League, you know, somewhere soon after that. And then um, we play, you know, you'd have your summer basketball camp and maybe play in a couple local tournaments. You know, I, I think growing up, we would play in. 10 to 15 tournaments, you know, you just go to the neighboring towns and play one day, three games. And, you know, you thought it was the greatest thing in the world, but we never traveled outside of, you know, a County away. Like that was it. You never, you didn't see anything until you got to middle school and, you know, you play some of your conference teams and uh, we didn't, we didn't have any football 
you know, youth football growing up like they have now. So, you know, middle school was kind of the time where you really started competing and playing athletics. Um, you know, Gary Rima ran a AAU team for high school kids. The, we were actually just last or two weekends, well, it was a month ago, I guess, uh, Ray Flafrenz was at tryouts. His kids are starting to play a little bit at club basketball with Martin Brothers. And he was talking about how he went to nationals with Gary Rima and like, he played really well. And that was like his ticket. He went from nobody to um, having power five schools recruit him. And back then you had like one chance, like you had one, you know, one, one uh, national tournament, you'd play a uh, regional. And if you made the state tournament, you get to go play in state tournament at, I think it was Urbandale always in Des Moines. And then if you got the top two, you got to go to nationals and you had one chance to play in front of people. And now everybody, like we were talking about earlier, like, everybody at every level has an opportunity. There's teams for everybody, you know, which I think is a great thing. If kids want to play, there needs to be a place for them to play. Um, and there's a lot of opportunities, you know, our, our kids with the Martin brothers are playing in front of big 10 schools, ACC schools and Missouri Valley schools and big East schools. You're not going to get missed. <laughs> you know, if, if you're good enough, you're not, you're not going to get missed anymore, which um, I think back when we were growing up, there were probably some kids that, would have had different opportunities than, than they, you know, had. And now, you know, everybody's seen if they, if they want to be seen. So, um, you know, I loved obviously our upbringing. It was, it was, you know, local and competitive and everybody did everything. And now it's, it's definitely different and turned a different direction. And kids are really becoming single sport athletes really, really early, which is not a great thing, especially from the high school level, but the uh, club sports, whether it's baseball or basketball, really monopolize a lot of a lot of their time, and it's tough. How many kids on your varsity team are playing AAU basketball? You know, off the top of your head, every one of them play club something. So gotcha. I would say, out of our kids that played this year, um, if they don't play club basketball, they're playing club baseball. Um, like with perfect game, a lot of them play here. We're very lucky. We have a great um, league here um, or they play that seven on seven football. So they're all playing something, whether it's basketball, football, or baseball. Yeah. They're out there every week and doing something. Right. This is the first I've heard of Rima's AAU or, or like travel team. What was that called? Uh, the Iowa hustlers. Iowa hustlers. Wow. I think I still got a t-shirt somewhere. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Did you, get, so, uh, did you get any Gus Macker while you were at it too? Did you play? Oh yeah. In Cedar Falls. Yep. Yeah. A little three on three. You had to be really big time to play on the sport court. I was always on the cement. Yeah. We, I actually, it's, it's funny. We went to baseball this weekend, like I said, and we drove by uh, one of the parking lots that I used to play, play Gus Macker three on three. Yeah. And I told my son that he's like, why would you play in a parking lot? <laughs> Just spoil little kids these days, you know? Yes, they are. Um, and then, so with that being said, kind of what was the AAU scene like when you were kind of growing up, middle school, high school? Um, obviously, you mentioned Rima's team. Was Martin Brothers a thing at that time? Or what did the, I guess, number or the AAU kind of scene look like in Iowa at that point? Yep. Uh, Martin Brothers was a thing at that time. And they were actually on the... East circuit. It wasn't the YBL, but the, like one circuit. And obviously with the movie coming out air, they kind of dip into that a little bit and they talked about it. Um, and they were one of the few teams on that circuit. Um, but we were just either AEU or kind of not at that time. And my sophomore season, we went to 
New Orleans and played in the national tournament. Um, but it was, I mean, obviously completely different. The, the kids now, you know, play multiple weekends. We just played one in the summer, um, you know, and you kind of, you had to find your own way there, find your own way home and uh, hoped everybody showed up, but it, it's, uh, it's changed quite a bit now. A, a few, maybe a few more buses, uh, you know, those luxury buses than those 18, 20 hour, 20 hour drives with the family to Florida or wherever it was back then. Well, with that being said, you know, um, obviously growing up, you mentioned, you know, you kind of played just around your area. Was there in the town of Fairbank or, or neighboring, was there a outdoor court that you all met at um, here and there during the summer? Or uh, I know you're in kind of a different situation with your dad being the coach. So uh, was that just him opening the gym all the time and you guys just uh, kind of throwing a ball out there? Yeah. So our gym, uh, Wapsie, obviously is out in the middle of the country. So it wasn't easy for everybody to get to. Um, yeah, there was outdoor courts at the elementary school, um, you know, and obviously people had hoops in their driveways. Um, we didn't have a, uh, we had a gravel driveway. So our hoop, you know, the, the portable hoop with the water in the back was in the side yard and we, you know, beat it down enough that you could actually dribble and there wasn't a whole lot of grass by the end of the summer. Um, but, you know, we didn't play as much as um, the kids play now. We would we would shoot and stuff during football season. We would play when I was in high school too. We had a ten day limit um, that we could be with the coaches. So we would actually go to Don Showalter's camp at Mid Prairie, and that was five of our ten days. And then we would play in a couple different weekend tournaments. Uh, my dad started a tournament with Northeast Iowa Shootout that was big in July, and we would go to Palmer and play in a tournament. And that was it for the summer. So we would spend 10 days together um, doing basketball, but that, that was it. That's, that's uh, a little less than what goes on now, huh? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, in the first two weeks of July, we'll spend over 10 days together this summer. <laughs> so it is, it's much different or in June. That's great. That's great. Well, um, I got this next question. I'm very interested to hear the answer to this. Uh, what would the scouting report have been on seventh grade John McCowan? <laughs> That's a good question. That's probably a better question for Brooks. He would be more honest. Um, I was, uh, I don't know. I was not a very good, when I go back and watch videos that my parents would take, I was not a very good basketball player. I was super competitive, um, but I didn't dribble well with my left hand. I thought I was a great shooter, so I shot a lot, but I think I played really hard. Hey, that, that, <laughs> my my defense wasn't great. I always thought it was way better. <laughs> so you were a hustler. That's a perfect, yes. perfect for Rima's team. Perfect. Yes, it was. <laughs> um, well, as far as going through high school, you know, obviously, um, you know, with you being at Wapsie, um, and this may be kind of a loaded question, but but how did your role change? as you're going through freshman through senior, you know, whether it be on varsity, JV, whatever that was, how was, how did your role change on the team going through um, high school specifically? It evolved quite a bit. Um, I played, so we had three levels. We had a varsity, JV, and a freshman. I played with the sophomores my freshman year. Um, and, you know, just, it was, it was a great year. Coach DeBont was our sophomore coach. It was a lot of fun um, playing with guys that I never played with before. Um, and then my sophomore year, I played on the varsity and, and we had a group of seniors that were really good with, um, like Lewis Bamey and Josh Wiedemeyer. And we were very senior led. We, a lot of them played and they really embraced a couple of us younger kids that played with them. And 
we ended up playing in the state tournament, um, had a really good year, got third place. Um, but they they helped me grow and mature, not just as a basketball player, but, you know, kind of as a leader in the school and how you treat the younger kids, um, you know, that maybe don't quite know everything. Um, and then as, you know, they all kind of departed and took off and I had to have a bigger role as, as a junior and senior and, and try to help run the team a little bit more. So, um, yeah, it was just a, it was a great career because I had really, really good older kids that kind of taught you the right way to do things. That's awesome. And, you know, we, we have conversations with a lot of coaches, a lot of players, and, you know, I feel like that's, that's one of the biggest parts to having a successful program, um, you know, not just now, but in the future. So with your teams now, and this may be BS jumping ahead a little bit, but um, as a coach, do you, do you kind of jump in with that saying, you know, cause I know your team, your team this last season was very senior led. Are you jumping in saying, Hey, you know, you need to take all these youngsters under your wing, or do you kind of let that happen on its own? No, we talk about it a lot. We talk right at the end of the season, we kind of talk to the juniors and they're like, this is your team now, you know, we're only going to be as good as your leadership. Um, you take your team and you take them in directions that you that you want them to go. Uh, and that that was probably most of the reason of our success this year is our senior leadership was really good. They got the most out of all the kids below them, got the most out of themselves and they would lead by example. They would lead by their voices. Um, but really above and beyond that, our success this year started with their parents. Um, you know, we, we hear horror stories from other coaches about how terrible parents are and um, this year, I just had wonderful parents. Um, they, anytime I try to compliment them about how well their kids doing, whether it's in practice or a game or their leadership, they a lot of them would deflect it, and they're like, "Well, you know." Uh, for example, uh, Colby Dolphin's dad, um, you know, helped with our parent support groups. So I'd see him here and there and doing some different things, and say, "You know, Colby's doing a great job. He's working hard in practice. He's had a great game. His shots good. Like he's working hard." He's like. Yeah, it wouldn't be that good without Kenzie, though. You know, Kenzie's doing a good job. Like, just that mindset of they're hearing those things when they're at home, then they come and approach the game the right way. Uh, you know, we've all had years where we have, you know, maybe a little parents that are a little bit on the selfish side, and, you know, they they beat down at home, you know, in their conversations at the kitchen table, they'll, they'll maybe beat down other players a little bit. And then you see that as a coach kind of in the, the body language and uh, the words that other players use about their teammates. And it a lot of times comes from somewhere. Uh, but our parents this year really talked, you know, greatness into their teammates. And they were very thankful that they were on the same team with each other. And then that led into our seniors being great leaders. And I mean, it was, we had 70 practices in 23 games, you know, so what you're going to get out of a season is really going to come from practice. And we had extremely competitive practices. We had positive practices. I've never had a team that would speak so highly of each other. Um, you know, high school kids at times are squirrely and they say some funny things, but really when it mattered in practice, really when it mattered in games, um, we could have a kid struggling shooting the ball. We could have a kid turn it over a couple times. And the things that our teammates would say to each other would take them out of that hole extremely fast. Um, or, you know, in turn, when things were going good, they would really build each other up. And um, I heard more this year um, in practice and in games that, hey, your next shot's going in. And like the competitive maturity of our team this year is what led us to be successful the whole year, even in the game that we 
we couldn't make a shot and we really struggled at state tournament um, all the way through the game up until, you know, the, the final horn, the kids were extremely positive with each other. Like, we're fine. We're fine. You know, this, you know, this is not a deficit that we can't, can't handle. And, you know, some kids were struggling, but they, they were just extremely positive with each other. And um, they're kind of mature beyond their years. And it started with Kenzie Reed and Colby Dolphin. You know, they both took less shots per game than they did as juniors, as seniors, um, because we probably had a little bit more talented scorers around them. And they understood that they wanted to be more successful as a team than individuals. They ended up both being first team all state, but, um, you know, their numbers percentage wise were a lot better. Um, but their numbers scoring and assist, uh, weren't quite as good as they were the year before, but it was them being so mature that they were able to just kind of like sit back and say, well, you can do this and I don't have to do everything and you can do this and you do this well. And, and they made each other so much better. And that, that just filters down to everybody. So if you're a kid at, you know, first year on the varsity and you got these two returning all state kids, you know, saying good shot or nice pass or, you know, the, the worst player in our practice was getting built up by these two kids every single day. Like as a coach, you just kind of, you just sit back and, you know, keep telling them like, you know, this is why we're successful because I can say it, it means something, but when they say it, it means a lot. Yeah. And that just makes, you know, I can't imagine how much easier that makes your life as a coach. Um, you know, number one, having that experience, number one, having those players that have that maturity as you talked about, but um, yeah. And even having, you know, having the, having the, the good parents behind that, um, you know, cause as you've said, we've all heard those horror stories of the parents who, you know, maybe, maybe take things a little too far with their, you know, with their youngster or with the coach, whatever that looks like. But um, uh, yeah, that's great to hear. That's great to hear. But you kind of mentioned it um, a little bit as, as far as, you know, that, uh, you know, the game at the state tournament, um, what happened there? Um, what to, uh, you know, what was that game like for you as a coach? Um, and, you know, with those players, you know, obviously they sound like they kept a positive attitude through the whole game, which is, which is awesome. But, you know, as a coach watching that, you know, and, um, you know, having that ending, what was that like for you? It's tough as a coach because when kids go about their business the right way every day, you want to see them have success. Um, <clears throat> what I told them after the game is like, I would not trade our 70 practices and our, 22 games for this win today. It was one of those things where, you know, a few things happened early in the game that kind of took us out of sync and didn't allow, you know, some of our better players to play, play to their ability and kind of the way they played all year uh, to nobody's fault, you know, just a, a tweaked ankle and then, um, you know, just a, another bumps and bruise just to allow them to be quite as explosive and, um, it was just a combination of things. You know, Pleasant Valley had a good game plan. They were extremely physical on our drives, and we were struggling kind of getting to our spots. And, um, you know, but but in the end, you know, every single day in practice was a joy. You know, we got better. We got a little bit better. Um, the kids had fun. Um, you know, they played hard. They went about it the right way. So, you know, it's a season that, that all continued to – reflect on and enjoy. And, you know, obviously we wanted to play, you know, two more games and obviously win three more games, but it's one of those things like things happen in basketball. You know, I think we led the state in scoring with like 77 points a game. I would have never guessed we'd score 45 in a game. It just, you know, it, 
didn't make some of the easy shots and really didn't make some of the threes we made all year. And, um, but having said that, like we still gave ourselves a chance to win when we couldn't put the ball on the hoop. So, you know, it was just one of those nights that you didn't want it to end that way. But, but in the end, it was still a, it was still a season that kind of changed the outlook or changed the mindset of a lot of people in Cedar Rapids. Um, we had a lot of people come to basketball games and enjoy basketball games and, compliment me on how our kids acted and how they treated the community. You know, if guys come to games and, and see, see our players play it the right way and then talk to them after the game. And I get an email the next day saying, I haven't been to a Kennedy game in eight years, but we had so much fun. And um, then I saw, you know, Kenzie Reed after the game and he stopped and he talked to my kids and that was like the greatest thing in the world. So all of that, you know, changed just kind of the outlook, not that we had a, a negative outlook at, by any means, but um, so many people, Kennedy people said this was one of the greatest seasons in the last 50 years, you know, that Kennedy has been open, like just so much joy and positive things going on in the gym every night. Yeah, I, there's a lot to unpack. I, I think you touched on a lot of things. Obviously, a 22 and one season is something that it's hard to look back on. And we're all competitive and we want that to to go end with the with cutting down the nets. But it doesn't always work that way. And like you said, at the end of the day, it's also about forming good players, but also forming good people and being able to, to kind of do things the right way. And when you're able to all of a sudden keep raising the floor too, it feels like expectations for Kennedy basketball keeps coming higher and higher. And now it's starting to, to raise that expectations. And it sounds like from top to bottom, you know, you guys at Kennedy, there are starting to see a lot of that filter through. And so going back just real briefly touching on that champ or on that first round game, I mean, Pleasant Valley was a was a bad matchup for a slow start and a cold shooting because they're so disciplined with the basketball that your number of possessions um, was just not something that was, uh, you know, easy to, to overcome as, as maybe, you know, you sound like the positive mindset was there. But, uh, you know, it has to be something that I think that you guys will learn from and continue to improve and continue to get better. And so, um, it, it, it was one thing that, uh, you know, I, I know that you guys would have liked to have seen things happen differently, but 22 and one, you know, looking back and, and what those seniors specifically were able to do in their four years, you, you definitely have to feel pretty good about everything. Yeah. It's, it's nothing that we would trade by any means. Um, you know, in a, in a city, getting community to come to games, um, is a little bit different. You usually get a good student following, um, you get parents, grandparents, um, and then inner city games, Wash, Jeff, Xavier, Linmar, Prairie. Um, we get really good crowds, but this season, like we got extremely good crowds every single night. It was people I've never seen at Kennedy basketball games. Like, you know, a little bit with what Adam and I grew up with, like there's one thing to do on Tuesdays and Friday nights in small towns and it's go to a basketball game if there's a home game and, you know, the gyms are packed most nights if you have a decent team and um, our gym was packed every night. It was kind of an electric atmosphere. Um, it was, it was the thing to do in town this winter, which is, which is very rare. So um, just the, just the, the whole experience of this year, it's something I think we'll build off of. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, the fun and the excitement. And we had so many uh, junior Cougars, like our, our young kids came to games and they, and they were talking about when's the next home game, you know, how do we get there? And, and that's a rarity as you know, we have I think, 30 different middle schools and eight different 
or 30 different elementaries and eight different middle schools. And, um, you know, that everybody goes to different schools around here, but, uh, we were kind of the thing to do in Cedar Rapids this year. So it, uh, it was a little bit different. Well, that makes it, uh, makes it fun. And having the, the players on the floor that you guys had to also makes it a lot of fun. Like you said, you guys were putting up points. I know going back and, and looking through some of the scores and what you guys were able to do this year, a lot of fun. A big part of that was obviously your senior back core. Um, and so take me through a little bit as far as coaching style and how those guys kind of impacted the last four years and in, in having, you know, a guard oriented did that change your philosophy a little bit to kind of fit those guys' game or, or how did that uh, develop a little bit for you specifically, you know, in the last three or four years? Yeah, I think every year uh, we try to, as coaches, we look at, okay, who's our best player and best player, like putting offensively, putting the ball in the hole and what does he need to be successful? And then you kind of go down the list. Okay. Who's our second best threat on offense? What kind of action do we need to put them in to be successful? And, um, it, with Colby and Kenzie, who's Colby is you find a way to get his feet set and, you know, catch a ball and shoot a three. He's going to do it at a really high rate. Um, Kenzie is, you know, a guy that we want to get in space, want to put in ball screen action, try to get a mismatch. We want to put him in space. Um, and then you kind of go down through the list. And, um, but the one thing I think we we're very consistent with is we want to pressure on defense. We press, we pressure, we, we like to play fast give the kids a lot of freedom on offense, like be good at what you're good at, you know, play within obviously the, the scheme of it, but um, you know, there's, there's not a lot of bad shots in our offense. We want kids to play free, we want them to play fast. Um, and then we, but we're very disciplined on the defensive side. We're um, like, we spend, we probably spend more time on the defensive side than we do the offensive side and make sure we're on the same page. We want to, we want all five guys to defend, you know, at the same time and know what each other's going to do and help hard and rotate and give great ball pressure. And we press almost every possession. Um, and I think if the guys give that type of effort, I know, I guess when I played or, you know, watching Adam and Brooks play Southern Illinois, like we didn't run a lot of offense against that pressure at you and I. So, you know, kind of same type of philosophy is, you know, we want to take people and make them run their offense at 40 feet instead of 20 feet and, you know, see if they can be successful in that. Um, defensively, we're, we're pretty much the same every year, but offensively, we change quite a bit with our personnel. Yeah, and, and you have to, obviously, at, the, at that level to be able to be successful. And unfortunately, at the high school level, we can't recruit to bring in kids to fit our scheme. And so we got to make uh, our scheme fit the kids. And so that's something, too. And, and watching, it always helps, too, when – your two best players uh, who can score the basketball whenever needed are also really good defensively, especially on ball. Um, watching those two guys, you know, specifically this last year a little bit and their attention to defense and their ability to get uh, and defend on ball and, and cut down straight line drives obviously speaks well to you and your staff. But it's a lot easier when your best players are out there playing defense uh, to be able to get everybody else to buy in. Yeah. And they take pride in it. You know, that it's not just, they are good at it. Um, but all the way through, and then we have Carter Newhouse was a senior this year. He's, you know, he's a soccer first guy and, um, but you know, gets to everything he possibly can with basketball. And, you know, he was probably our best on ball defender. Didn't care if he shot the ball one time in the game, but he was going to go work that point guard as much as he could. And it's just, it's a mindset, you know, anybody can play defense. If they just want to sit down and engage mentally, 
um, you know, and try to read the action, understand, you know, maybe some of the plays and the calls that we give them before the game. Um, you know, but it, what I love about our kids and it's all 10 years I've been at Kennedy, it's been the same as we have a lot of guys that are, they almost fight to guard the ball. Um, it, it's just a mindset and a personality thing, but you know, we'll have a new guy come in off the bench and you know, they'll want to go guard the point guard. He's like, I'm fresh. I'm going to go in and get him." And, you know, Colby especially would almost fight his teammates because he wanted to guard the ball. And it's just like, it's, it's a luxury because, you know, you watch a lot of kids, um, whether it's on TV or high school games, like they're taking a break on defense because they want to make sure they have everything they, you know, possible for the offensive side. And our kids think about it a little bit on the other side is like, we practice, we talk a lot about, we practice this way, you know, we pressure each other in practice. We practice hard for an hour and a half or two hours. Shape's never going to be a problem because we do it every day. Um, and it's just, you know, it feels like it's an advantage we have because we have a lot of kids that do it the right way. I felt like you were talking about Adam and I, when you're talking about taking it easy on defense, so you could go down <laughs> and get some shots up on the other end, but uh... I didn't take it easy on defense. I just uh, didn't really like playing defense. I just, <laughs> <laughs> just uh got out of the way a little bit on the other end but um so so going through taking a look at the last three years here um like as we mentioned you went 22 and one this past year 21 and four i believe is what i have um the year prior losing to Ames uh down at state there who obviously went on and uh breezed to a state championship in that season and then the year before went 15 and eight but had a two-point loss to a really good johnston team uh in sub-state and so that progression, you know, uh, obviously going through 15, 15 and eight kind of things started to click. It looked like looking at your scores. And like I said, that good Johnston team uh, on the road with opportunity to state and then the next year punching the ticket. Um, and then this year, you know, going being undefeated, going into the state tournament. What do you think is the biggest reason for that steady growth and that opportunity to just kind of continue to build from one year to the next? Well, the, the 15 and eight year, three years ago, like we got off to a really rough start and we were, we were big. Um, we had Caleb Schlake and Cole Rubis and then Kenzie Colby um, and then Jackson Bowman and Craig Mills. And like, we were just a, a bigger team than I, than I have ever had. And so I was like, well, you know, maybe we're like a Pac-Man or a zone team. And then we're going to kind of play a little slower and pound it inside and play inside out. I'm like, that's what you do with big teams, I think. Sure. And uh, we were struggling and it, it just was not fitting. And we were at Western Dubuque and I think they hit uh, 13 threes in the game. And they just blew us out in the first half. I, I think it was close to 25 or 30. We were down at half. Ever, we were sitting out in the hall talking to his coach. I'm like, well, this is this is not going to work. We can't defend. If we pack, we give up threes. We give up layups. We're giving up everything. So we kind of changed back our mindset. And like, well, let's go back to what we were doing and to be successful before. And uh, we came out and we pressured and played hard and played fast. And those, I mean, we were bigger, but the kids could get out and run too. And they were good in transition. And um, I think we cut it to 10 in that game and we weren't able to – to get over the top but then we won 10 in a row I believe after that maybe lost to Cedar Falls late in the year and then made a run in the tournament and had a we had a three-point shot to beat Johnston in overtime in that game and um, you know the the mindset changed back to 
this is what Kennedy is and this is how Kennedy is successful. It doesn't matter who we put out there. We're going to play hard on defense. We're going to pressure the ball. We're going to play fast on offense. And then, you know, that carried over to the next year and, and make it around at the, in the state tournament and got to the final four and then led into this year. But, um, you know, Kenzie and Colby, I don't know their exact numbers, but um, when you go back those last three years, they put on a quite a stretch of, of wins and they were the, you know, kind of the two guys that are always pressuring the ball and stuff. And then, leading others into, you know, playing the same way. And um, I don't think it'll matter how big I get again from size wise, we, we won't make that mistake again, but um, you know, we have a, we have a lot of really, really good guards all the way through um, all the way through our youths. And we just have a lot of guys that we can run it, you know, point guards and run at guards and, and take them out of their offense. So yeah, that was probably a, disguised uh, coaching philosophy, but you know, when your back's against the wall and you're playing so bad, you're going to try something different. And uh, it's really worked out for us. How hard is it though, to make that big of an adjustment at halftime? Is it something that the boys uh, were able to receive pretty well or how does, cause it feels like sometimes that can land either way. Well, it was fairly embarrassing what happened in the first half. So it was easy to make so any like, adjustments. Yeah, we'll <laughs> and that's what I mean. That's kind of what it felt like, I think, with everybody is like, this is not working. If we're going to go down, let's at least go down playing really hard. And yeah. That, that was just kind of the mindset change. Uh, you talked about your youth program a couple of times. Is that something that uh, you're, you're kind of instilling the same process? And so by the time, you know, we've talked earlier in the pod about club and how people kind of start to go their separate ways. And it sounds like you have some multiple sport athletes too, but um, is, you do have a youth program. Is that something that you try to instill a little bit of what you're trying to accomplish at the varsity level? Yep. Um, I think we have, I'm biased, but I think we have the best youth program in the state. Um, it was started by Coach Fontana before I got here, um, and he put a lot of time and organization into it, and I've just kind of like grabbed it and ran with it. Um, but obviously, with my kids playing in the youth program, I was extremely interested on in how to help and make it better. And we have two to three teams at every grade level. As coaches, we help them as much as possible. Um, I, I make coaching booklets for them that, you know, just have different plays and philosophies and, you know, something they can reflect on and, and go back to. Um, we do a coaching clinic for the coaches. So as high school coaches, we try to coach our youth coaches and just give them some basic knowledge on, you know, how to run a practice. Um, I give them a practice plan template and it's got every drill, you know, that we run on the back of it. So, and, and try to, instill some philosophies, but, you know, with, with the youth kids being more engaged, watching our high school kids um, and our high school kids in the summer, like everybody does, they'll, they'll coach them in camps. And we try to give them our offenses, give them our defensive philosophies in the summer camps, and then coach the coaches up on it right before their seasons, having, you know, similar terminology, similar plays, similar practices, um, I think at a, at a bigger school, that's really rare to kind of have that natural flow into the high school um, where, you know, clubs really take over the cities, you know, and a lot of kids don't play for a junior Cougar like they do play for us. And a lot of our kids, if they're basketball first, they'll play junior Cougar and they'll play on their club teams, you know, so half the weekends they'll play with their school teams and then half the weekends they'll play with their club teams. And I think it's just a it's a really good mix that we have for them right now. 
we have a lot of kids participating and, you know, it seems pretty seamless and, and they're excited to be a part of it. You know, they're excited to be Cougars. They're excited to be on the team. And we have great coaches and great directors that, you know, make it a, the best possible scenario for them. So is that something then with the youth programs, obviously in a, you know, a city like Cedar Rapids, you have all, all these kids, all these other schools too. Is it just something where you're kind of, they stay kind of local and they'll go around and, and play the other schools in the area? Yeah, so they'll they go to Des Moines quite a bit. Um, they'll play in the state, the, the school state tournament over there, um, Iowa City quite a bit. Some will go to Dubuque. There's you could play in a tournament every weekend in Cedar Rapids, so obviously they play here also. Um, we have teams that go up to Waverly, so they do travel quite a bit with their school teams also. And how young? Like what age do you start that? Uh, third grade, but some second graders will play on the third grade teams to help fill the spots. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. And then our school district um, opens up our gym. So then they, you know, it's, I think we charged $200 last year to be a part of the junior Cougars. And that takes care of most of their um, tournament fees. Also, if teams start playing in, oh, probably over seven tournaments and they'll have to charge a little bit more. Um, but our directors are volunteers. So they don't get paid. Our school system opens up the gyms every single night of the week. So our girls teams are in there, our boys teams are in there and they have uh, free practice facilities, obviously, which keeps the cost extremely low. Sundays, we open up the high school and they use the gyms in the high schools all day Sundays. So um, each team gets two to three practices a week and then, uh, you know, practice times per week. And then um, they, they have their weekend tournaments also. That's that's great. That's huge. I mean, that's uh, obviously, you know, you've been uh, been doing this for a long time. And so that's something where, you know, creating creating the right habits and then a love for the game is ultimately what's going to allow the varsity program to be successful. And so it's always fun and refreshing to hear about these youth programs. And we also like hearing some of the differences, too, and then the way in that which uh, each each community and each school does things a little bit different. Oh, so one other thing, too, that I want to mention as we go back, we were talking a little bit about the last three seasons um, and specifically looking, Johnson, Ames were the two teams that uh, ended the seasons the, the two years prior. Is that what started this CIML versus MVC or where did, uh, where did, where are you like, Hey, we got, I know you came over this year, um, and beat Valley at Valley, got them by 15 an eventual, uh, state champ there too. And so trying to come over this way and kind of see what the deal is, or, uh, how did this, uh, CIML MVC, uh, contest all come about? Yeah. So as, uh, coaches, especially 4A coaches, we talk quite a bit. Um, and we're trying to schedule games. We're trying to, the CIML used to be before the Alliance started a full 21 game conference schedule. So they, they weren't really able to play many non-conference games unless they found somebody else to opt out of their game. Um, we've been an 18 game conference schedule. Now we're 17 with Water Luis leaving the league also. Um, so just kind of a perfect storm and opportunities that um, everybody's starting to look for games, um, you know, now with the 4A ranking committee and all the ranking committees there, there's a lot of talk about, you know, which conference is better. Um, you know, we'd like to see more crossover games talking with uh, the MVC coaches that are all conference meeting. They were uh, pretty into doing something like this and then talking to the CIML coaches that I know they they were pretty optimistic about it also. So, you know, I just, 
kind of tried to start running with it and, and see how many teams I could get. I was, I was pretty surprised. Um, I think getting the, uh, Alliant energy powerhouse was kind of a little bit of a draw to, to play in an arena, but we got 16 teams that are going to come play over here on January 6th. And then a lot of teams just had one opening this year, um, just with a non-conference from last year carrying over, they, they weren't able to, uh, do two, but I think, you know, in the near future, I think not next year, but the following year, uh, I think we'll have most of CIML and MVC, maybe even to a point where we're looking at two different facilities to get all the games in during the day. Um, I think it'll just be, it'll be a fun day. Um, I like, I like events where you can watch multiple games in a day at one location. Um, the rankings committee, actually, the, the three guys are going to set the matchups for us. Um, so the coaches don't have to jockey around and try to figure out, well, we don't match up well with these guys. I'd rather play them. Like just put it all in their hands and let them roll with it. And I got to just be a fun event. It'll be great for the MVC. It's going to be great for the CIML, maybe a little preview to the state tournament later in the year. And, and, you know, kind of give a, a true eye test to both leagues. Um, you know, maybe we'll join in some more leagues, you know, as we go down the road, but these were the two most interested interested to start and uh we'll just kind of see where it goes from here yeah we're excited about that event we think it's going to be really great as you mentioned for both leagues to kind of get an idea as far as where you're at um you know obviously you have a full schedule and a lot of teams in which that you match up against on a regular basis year in and year out and so to have an opportunity to to come and match up with somebody you know from the other side of the state is is huge and then like you said, for the rankings committee too, to be able to size people up and say, okay, you know, they, they beat so-and-so and, you know, they handled somebody. And so it just helps, even though, you know, you're never going to get an opportunity to play all the teams or, you know, know exactly what that's going to look like. It is definitely, it's definitely going to be neat having 16 teams. I mean, going all the way, this is going to feel like a, a club, a club AU weekend. Have yeah, all, these, well, all these teams there, all the great talent, just playing yeah. in one gym. Yep. You rent that. I've, figuring out this business side of it, like the rental is an all day thing, right? So trying to shove as many games in there as possible to make sure we don't lose any money. But I talking to our sophomore coach, I'm like, well, let's find somebody to play at 7 a.m. You know, before that first game started, like if I was a sophomore, I'd get up at six o'clock to go play in the arena instead of playing at 10 o'clock at a high school. So, you know, we might even squeeze one more in before that. And then maybe we'll rent it out for a birthday party when the games are all over or something. There you <laughs> go. Never you're gonna, it out of it. <laughs> you're going to have uh, the Iowa City Liberty freshman versus uh, somebody yeah. freshman yes. game in there at the end. <laughs> anybody. Anybody, anybody that'll come. <laughs> anybody who needs, well, let's go. Let's run it. Or let's run it out. So, no, that'll be good, Coach. We're uh, uh, definitely excited for that. That's that's something we're looking forward to. You said, what's the date on that again? Remind us. January 6th. January 6th. So that'll be uh, that'll be a fun event. I know a lot of people will be watching and, and paying attention. And so um, re real quickly here, uh, take us a little bit or take our listeners more. So a little bit on the journey. I know you mentioned you've been 10 years at Kennedy. Um, what, what did it look like before? Tell us a little bit about this coaching grind and what got you uh, to have an opportunity to now be tenured at, uh, as the head coach at Kennedy. Yeah, it actually kind of started in Cedar Rapids. Um, I went to Kirkwood as a freshman and played uh, baseball there um, and then went to Coe as a sophomore and junior. And my sophomore year, I was a student assistant coach with Coach Brazi there. 
Um, so that's kind of where the coaching started. And I, I really enjoyed that. And then, then finished up at Upper Iowa and did a little coaching at Jessup football and uh, middle school baseball at Wapsi, and then started coaching with my dad at Wapsi when Brooks was playing, I think his junior year, maybe sophomore and junior year. And then uh, Dave Smith called me uh, to, to see if I'd be interested in coaching at NU High. Um, so I started NU High and spent five years there. And then uh, my wife got a different job with John Deere in Kansas City. So I uh, applied for about 15 different schools and uh, it was a, a different ball game, but luckily found uh, a job at Ottawa, Kansas, and that ended up really well and enjoyed every minute down there. And if our family wasn't uh, back up here in Iowa, I think we'd still be in Kansas City. Uh, it was a fun place to live and uh, we really enjoyed Ottawa and um, having an NBA player come through made it you know, a little easier to be successful. And Shimmy Ojale came through and played. So uh, we spent six years down there coaching at Ottawa. And then um, our oldest was actually a kindergartner at, in Ottawa. And, um, and we had two others. We were down in Kansas City. And it was kind of a little bit eye-opening, like, well, you know, if we don't move back now, we're, we're never going to. Um, but we wanted to get back closer to family. And uh, when you're in the boat of having kids, when you look at schools, it's more so where, where do you see your kids going to high school more so than where do you want to coach or where do you want to teach? And um, there's some different opportunities on this side of the state. And we obviously want to be a lot closer to the Quad Cities with Jody working for John Deere. But um, when the Kennedy thing came about, like just all the research we did on it and talking to people, like it just seemed like the right fit. So uh, we kind of made a life decision that, you know, we'd pick a school first and then figure everything else out, everything else out later. And um, we're very fortunate that it was as good a fit as it has been. Um, you know, I tell people I've been here 10 years, it feels like about two, <laughs> which is a really good thing. It's just, it's a great school system. Um, it's a great community. Uh, we love everything about it. So um, I think this will definitely be it. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's a fun journey too to be able to have an opportunity uh, to bounce around, coach some multiple sports. What do you think? What do you think coaching other sports uh, taught you the most about being able to be a head basketball coach? When I was a, uh, I coached baseball at NU High also, and I think I was a little bit. Uh, baseball is a little bit more natural to me, so I really struggled coaching it more. I'm like, well, I, I just don't understand how you guys can't. Like just yep. throw the ball over to that person. Like, you know, why is it going all over the place? And um, fundamentally, I probably had to be a lot more fundamental and uh, strategic in basketball. So I have a little bit better of a basketball mind and helping people through what, what really helps to be successful. But I loved coaching football. I loved coaching baseball. Like I just, I, I really enjoy the coaching aspect and seeing kids struggle and make small adjustments. And then the joy on their face when they, um, do something that they've been working on, you know, so hard and then trying to connect that to them, you know, with the rest of their life. Like, just think about like all the time you spent in the gym shooting that shot to make that one shot. That was a big shot for our team, you know, like just the joy you got, but, you know, also understand there was a lot of struggles to get to this point, you know, trying to make those connections with them. Like 
you know, don't ever quit in anything you're doing because it's going to work out eventually if you keep working hard. And sports teaches them that every single day in practice. Like you're going to have failures, you're going to have successes. You have to, uh, you have to handle both the correct way. And you know, I guess that's what I love about coaching. So I just, it didn't really matter what sport I I got to coach growing up. I like, I just coach anything because of the joy of it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more there. Now, was it your salary that shut down NU High then, or what was the deal? There? <laughs> I don't, I don't think it was. No, definitely not my salary. Because uh, <laughs> how? But that was a couple of years. That closed a couple of years after you were gone, right? It did. It was four or five years after I took off, so I, I shouldn't take any credit for that closing. <laughs> uh, maybe it was my lack of fundraising. <laughs> that's that's probably that might have been what it was right there. So. Um, so now currently you're sitting, I, I believe you're at over 350, uh, wins in your coaching career. Um, I would assume that the dad's the goal and he's gotta be, he's pushing six. What's he, but he's gotta be like six forty somewhere in there. The numbers that I saw weren't as updated. So let's call it 300 behind dad. So what needs, what needs to happen? Uh, you need a couple more all state guards to come through. Or you just need dad to retire to, to be able to catch that. Uh, we don't need dad to retire. He's absolutely loves it still. Um, he's kind of got an addictive personality. So if he didn't have coaching, I think he'd drive my mom nuts with little projects or something around the house. So it gives him a great purpose. Um, you know, that I look about once a year when I have to fill out the questionnaire for the Gazette or the state tournament on how many (laughs) wins I have, like, I don't know. It's just, it's really not that big a deal to me. I, I, I enjoy obviously the wins and success, but the, that just means you're getting really old, I guess. <laughs> you're not a young coach anymore. Yeah, you got well. And so if, let's say you average what 20 wins for another 15 seasons, man, another 15 years, you yeah, can get yeah. that 600, 650. You'll be chasing down yeah. dad before you know it. 15 more years, no big deal, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> So, well, well, good. So then as far as then coming full circle and looking to the Cougars this coming season, what are you excited about? Um, what, do, what do you got coming in that uh, you're really anxious to, uh, for October to get here and to roll the balls out and get, get uh, next season going? Yeah, um, we're really excited about this summer. So we got some good returners. Um, you know, Micah Schlake and Cyrus Courtney started every game for us this year when they were healthy. Cyrus was out for a little bit, started the year with a broken thumb coming off of football. Um, then we had some really good players coming off the bench and uh, Trey, my oldest, and Traven Crumry, Griffin Gertis, Jay Scott, Landon Dieters. Um, and then our, our JV team. Um, so at, at Kennedy, we have a varsity JV sophomore and then two freshman teams. And our JV was really, really good, which made us good because practice was great. They scored over 100 twice in their games this year, scored in the 90s a couple times. Um, they were undefeated as sophomores. Um, it, they're just – they're a really good team. So our, our bench, bench strength um, is good just from the kids that we had at the varsity. And then you go down looking at our sophomores, and um, I think they only lost – twice this year so they had a really good team um the freshmen we had a couple freshmen up on the sophomores they're going to make a little run you know at the guys this summer so we're going to have a lot of competition a lot of depth um i love the guys coming back obviously filling 
in for um, you know those three starters and Kenzie, Colby, and Carter. You know, is is going to be tough. Um, probably mostly in the leadership role. You know, we need some guys to mature and grow up and be great leaders. Um, but we got guys, you know, in the program still that can really play. So, you know, I don't see much of a drop off. Um, we talk to a lot of our younger kids about, you know, you might you might look around and see classmates across the state or across the city um, that you feel like you're as good as or better than, and maybe they're playing varsity or starting varsity, and you're got not getting many minutes. Um, but you got to practice against, you know, some really good guys 70 times this year. And, you know, that makes you a lot better. They got 23 games and you got 70 practices against, you know, two first team All-Staters and, and some other kids that are really good. Yeah, definitely. A, uh, obviously, they had a benefit and losing a lot, but that just provides a lot of opportunity. Um, it sounds like you got some uh, you got some kids ready to step into that. Um, well, this has been a lot of fun, John. Um, it's cool catching up with you. Cool learning a little bit more about you as, as well. Um, we like to end our episodes with with a little section called Rapid Fire. Uh, Brian's going to hit you with some questions, some about hoops and some not. And you let us know what comes to the top of your head. All right. All right. First one we uh, always start with is favorite visiting gym or arena. You've had an opportunity to coach and or play in whatever comes to mind. I, I like the pit in North Scott. Like, I think that would be the perfect home gym. It's small, it's loud, and it's different. That's funny. We it. talked a little bit about the pit on Hoop Troop this year uh, and just kind of that setup and thought it was cool over there. So that's a good one. Um, game day routine. Do you have any routine or superstition or something that has to happen on, on game day? Yeah, I have to save all of my, uh, like, clerical duties getting ready for the game, whether it's, like, filling out the book or – um, getting subbing patterns or printing off the um, the play sheets and all that type of stuff. I have to save all that for game day. I think it's just to fill my time so I don't overthink the games. Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting one. <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. Um, who's the greatest Cardinal baseball player of all time? Uh, uh, probably Ozzie Smith. Ooh, good answer. I like that one. Okay. Um, favorite sports movie? Um. Major League. Mm, classic. Yeah, that is good. That's a good one. <laughs> Where's the best pizza in Iowa? TJ's Pizza in Claremont. Ooh. My wife's from that area, so like every time we go visit the family, it's it's TJ's yeah, Pizza. TJ's and it's just a little bit different. I like that. That's a new yeah. one. We, we just love when someone has someone, something new, so good <laughs> job on that one. All-time starting five. Who's your all-time starting five? Any any level you can anywhere. do whatever you want anywhere you can go NBA you Ooh, can just whatever can. you want just give me this all time starting five. Oh man, let's go with uh, Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Shaq. That'd be tough. That's a tough yep. matchup right there to, for anybody. That's uh, as long as as long as those guys play defense. Yeah, you should be all right. All <laughs> they right. might score every possession. Yeah, you might not need to play any defense with those yeah. five out there. Um, all right, so we're uh, coming down the stretch. We've got a late game uh, timeout. We have we have to drop an ATO to get a look down to um, what what McCallan are we are we calling up to to come up with the best X's and O's play here to get us a shot to win the game. Are we going, are we going um, Dad? Are we going Brooks, John, Brittany? Who, which, who's got the best X and O's? Who's got the best set here for us to get a get a good basket? Well, Brooks loves to call timeouts. Um, 
I think he calls too many. <laughs> I like to let our kids play. Like I, I feel like they're going to get a better shot. They're going to be, you know, if you have a good point guard, you know, like just don't call a timeout and let the defense set or change their defense. Like I think more often than not, we're going to get a good look. Um, I feel like they're going to be prepared for time and situation. And, you know, that's why we practice every day is for them to make the play. Well, Brooks, last I, last I checked, Brooks had a good point guard, right? Like what's the deal then? Mm-hmm. Why is he calling uh, out? I don't know. He's just a little too controlling, I guess. <laughs> more type A. <laughs> okay, but so so then if he's more in these situations, if we need an ATO, are we go, is, does Brooks have something ready to go? Or what about Marty? Does Who's going to – or Brittany? Is she going to have something ready for us to get a good look to? What do you think? Which one do you choose? She would probably be the – she would be the most prepared in thinking in that situation. And um, I don't know. I always feel like if we do everything right, we won't be in that situation. So I don't, I don't think about it too much. Um, you know what? I think the best thing, sometimes we try to overcoach in those situations and you, you try to run a play that you've never ran before. You just mm-hmm. like try to be magic. Like, yeah, stay basic, stay with something you've done, even though it's probably scouted, um, they still have to stop it. And you're still timing wise going to run it the right way. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. That's not the time to drop a new play on the whiteboard. If they've never ran it in practice, they're not going to be able to do it there. So, all right, Adam and I get an opportunity to come to Cedar Rapids and uh, head to Kennedy for a game. Where do we got to stop and eat um, before we head over to the gym? Well, there's uh, Daisy's Garage is probably our favorite because it's right on the way home. Um yeah. There's a Pines Pizza close, and hey, you know what? Just come to our house. We'll just cook <laughs> something for you. <laughs> I like that idea, too. <laughs> I love that. Love the coach's invite. That's the best one. That's always the best answer, so we appreciate that. All right, last one, Coach, and we'll get you out of here. You talked about 10 years. It feels like two. It's just flying by. Uh, really good fit and really good opportunity, but what would you say is the best thing about getting the opportunity to be the head coach uh, at Kennedy? Um, it was probably the biggest thing that scared me, but having 80 to 100 kids that I'm in charge of, you know, in the 9 through 12 program. And then I guess beyond that, another 100 kids in the junior Cougar program, um, you know, that that was the scariest thing. But now it's kind of the most rewarding thing is just providing them an opportunity to play basketball, um, be successful and just have positive experiences. That's great. Well, coach, we appreciate you taking some time and sharing your story and some of your insights uh, into your team. We wish you guys the best of luck this summer. It'll be fun to uh, see how things continue to progress and, and watch you and some of those Martin Brothers teams out on the road and then um, pick things up in the fall and, and can't wait to see what the Cougars have in store and, and best of luck with everything. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, thanks, John. Great catching up, like I said, uh, and uh, hope to talk to you real soon, buddy. Yep. Sounds good. Thanks, Adam.